Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So just chill out. You know, drink a 7-Up. Eat a moon pie. Quit murdering people. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Sounds ridiculous, but it's the way we uh, roll here. Beamaz and Beamer here on WBEN. Who's that, the sheriff uh, in Polk County, Florida? That's right. Uh, the clip <laughs> went viral. It's one way to stop crime in your uh, in your county. How's everybody doing out there? 803-0930 if you want to weigh in on the conversation. Beamaz and Beamer uh, here with you also on our Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. You can uh, send us a text, 803-0930. I think things are um, working. Maybe. Oh. I don't know. Uh, might be a little bit behind on our uh, text board. We'll have to see. But uh, 803-0930 is the number either way if you want to join in on the conversation today. Let me ask you, would you mix those two things, 7-Up and Moon Pies? Uh, you know, I think if you're someone who enjoys 7-Up, uh, you probably wouldn't mind having a Moon Pie with it and vice versa. See, right? I'd want to have like a coffee with a Moon Pie. Really? I've gotten to the point What's where your I... idea of a healthy breakfast? Oh, no, there's nothing healthy about it. But I, I'm saying I've gotten to the point that if I'm having a sweet, I want coffee with it. Coffee with it. Yeah, like a decaf coffee. I finally realized why there's decaf coffee. Wow. So you're the most mature person in this room. I mean, that's <laughs> the way you're talking right there. <laughs> Certainly seems that way. You can't judge people by the way they have dessert. Yeah. Um, I. You know, there was a, a poll out yesterday we talked a lot about. Um, or earlier this week on the governor and her job's doing. But a poll that I was much more interested in, Joe, came out earlier today, Siena Research, doing this poll. And it's all about New Yorkers' attitudes toward COVID. And I don't know, it caught me by surprise at first, and then the more I thought about it, the more it kind of made sense, right? So the big headline that you'll get off of this poll is – that of polled New Yorkers who I'm, you know, looking through this, you know, it's under a thousand people. So, you know, it's with all polls. It's a product of who gets called. It's a random sample of people all across New York State. But it is a very small sample of people, yes. uh, to, to be honest. So uh, keep that in mind anytime you talk about any of these polls. But of this random sample of New Yorkers, they found that 78% of New Yorkers think about protecting themselves and their family from COVID either some of the time or all of the time. 78%. Hmm. Only 50%, only half the people say they think the worst of the pandemic is over. And you have uh, a good amount of people who are still taking measures like uh, carrying that 91% of people carry a mask with them everywhere they go and i you know these numbers seem pretty big for what we're talking the end of october here in 2021 uh, it seems like a lot of people who are in that age or in that you know category of still thinking about covid a whole lot 
I mean, I, I think it's very concerning. And again, Brian, something you and I talk about a lot, messaging. I mean, down 68% of people in June thought the worst of the pandemic was over. Now it's only 50%. I would consider myself part of that 50%. Uh, but I think that's concerning. Now, the 91% that carry a mask. I carry a mask everywhere, but that's because I, I worry that I'm going to walk in somewhere and someone's going to tell me I need a mask. So I really just w carry the mask around so I don't have to leave a place or go back and get a mask if I had to jump in somewhere real quick. Um, so that 91% that carries a mask, I, I can understand that. Um, but the only 50% saying the worst of the pandemic is over, uh, I, I think that's concerning when you talk about people's mindset um, with COVID. I think it was interesting that, it, I mean, it's split almost 50-50. If you look at the amount of people who are either somewhat or very comfortable attending a sporting event. Yes. As opposed to not comfortable or not at all comfortable. That 50-50 split, it's, it's just strange because you look at the stadium on Sunday, right? I mean, you look at some of these events, they're jam-packed with fans, and still 50% would tell you that because of COVID, you're not comfortable uh, you know, doing that, right? Um, I did find this interesting, too. This is also part of the poll. Is uh, one of the questions asked, and I'm still trying to get the entire question. I do think an important follow-up to this would be, and I'm trying to open the crosstabs of all the questions that were asked, would be, you know, 78% of New Yorkers think about protecting themselves and think about COVID either some of the time or all of the time. Of those respondents, what percent of people watch the news every day? Yeah, you that know, should that, have been a follow-up question. That would be a perfect follow-up question right. that might help you understand. But another thing I thought was interesting is, you know, it's rating your comfort level in group settings. One of the questions was, how comfortable are you going to work at the job you had prior to COVID? A vast majority say very or somewhat comfortable. Right. Only 8% said not very comfortable, and only 7% say not at all comfortable going to work at the job they had prior to COVID. Yet, Joe, I'm looking around, I, right? <laughs> I, I mean, and, and it's not here. It's, it's no, everywhere. 40% of Americans say they don't want to go back to work. Well, and people are still remote. <laughs> right. So I, I think if that tells you anything— if you can look at that poll that you reference, right, 40% of Americans say they don't want to go, you know, back into the office in the same way they did. But you look at this, and right now we're only 15% say they're not comfortable because of COVID concerns right. going back into the office. What's it telling you? I, I think most of this working from home, hybrid schedule, doing whatever, it doesn't have anything to do with COVID. No. It just has everything to do with convenience. Exactly. And I, on both ends, I, I don't I'm still struggling with how to how to view that, Joe, because on one hand, I I definitely don't want to stand in the way of anybody who says, listen, I can do this same job just as well from home without having to drag myself into an office, without having to do this, without having to go through the pointless you know, uh, ebbs and flows of a normal workday or right. workplace. If you are lucky enough to be in that position, and I do want to, you know, put an emphasis on that. People who are in that position are lucky yes. to be in a job where they have that option, right? Because so much, so many of us are not in that uh, position. If you work construction, 
good luck doing that on a laptop, <laughs> right? Uh, you can't do that. But if you are lucky enough to have that and you can say, listen, I can do this from home. I'm much happier doing it from home. My output is the same. You know, go for it. Who am I to say no? But at the same time, you know, I'm looking around my own situation. I It stinks. I hate it. You're coming to work every day for the people who do go into the office, and there's nobody here. It's an empty space. You're like, is anybody paying attention to what's going on? Right? I, it, it, it has that feeling. It's, I think it might be negatively impacting a whole lot of other people. Yeah. With, how do you draw that balance? I don't know. With the emptiness. And I'll say this, and Brian, I don't know this. This is just how I think I would react if I was to work from home for an extended period of time. I do think after a while, I'm now obviously um, two, two years is not a while, um, but you would think after a while you'd miss going to work. Now, obviously, 40% of Americans have proven me wrong, but I would think after a while you would miss the social interaction that you get at work. Um, but obviously, I'm in the I uh, think a lot of people I'm miss the majority. it. They don't realize that they miss it. Right. It hasn't kind of like hit them that it, it's it. I feel like it hits people in ways that are maybe more subtle than others. Certainly someone who's more social in their personal life wouldn't have as hard of a time working from home than somebody who really isn't, right? Uh, you think about it that way, where if you go to work, if most of your social interaction is happening at work and all of a sudden that's cut off, I mean, that that's going to impact you in a far greater way than, you know, you're somebody who you have social interaction at work, but you also have a ton outside of work. I, that's a far different story. But it might make work a little more difficult. Look at someone like me. I have to talk. I like talking to people. As you know, I like talking when you're trying to work. <laughs> now, if I'm stuck at home, I think even though I have a social personal life, I think that would affect me at work because I do like to socialize with uh, with people while I'm working. I understand that goes for this kind of business and not a normal a normal workplace. But I'm just saying, I, I think, uh, like you said, it affects uh, those differently. I, I do want to go back to the uh, breakdown of the poll because I thought this was interesting. You pointed out the sporting event. I thought it was interesting that more people are comfortable eating at a restaurant than going to a sporting event, especially in New York State, because you would think those that are concerned with COVID-19 yeah. are vaccinated. They You've look heard. at vaccination status. If you go to a sporting event in New York State, you have to be vaccinated. You would think, because you don't have to be vaccinated outside of New York City, to walk into a restaurant, you would think those numbers would be flipped. Yeah, after like a year of everyone telling you how dangerous it is to walk inside of a restaurant. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> right. that doesn't go for me because I was eating at restaurants before vaccines even existed. I mean, as yeah. soon as they reopened. But you would think going with how this poll looks, 78% protecting themselves every day from COVID, only 50% think, say the worst of the pandemic's over, but um, way more than half... I'm not good at math. 37% very comfortable, 24% somewhat comfortable of going, I'm sorry, 39% uh, comfortable, uh, very comfortable, 34% somewhat comfortable eating inside a local restaurant. I, I just, I thought that was, uh, that didn't really go with the rest of the numbers in this poll. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are chiming in right now. Uh, I I love some of the responses on our Volkswagen Vulture Park text board, 803-0930, you can weigh in too, on the work situation, Right. Uh, someone saying, you know, I love working from home. You sleep longer. You can wear comfortable clothes all the time, whatever. There's no one distracting you or you don't have to really deal face-to-face -face with anybody slacking off. 
you know, in front of you, which is it's interesting to know. And I, you know, I worked from home for a couple of months. Yes. And I do love those things. Yes, you can sleep in a little longer when your alarm goes off in the 3 a.m. hour. That's a big plus, yeah. right? And I loved it. And, you know, you can wear pajamas to work, even though I think, you know, with the state of things, right, I could have wore pajamas to work on Tuesday morning. I, was and there say. Were, I don't know if there would have been anyone here to really uh, say anything. I might to wear me. pajamas tomorrow to work. I, <laughs> there's, you know, you can kind of do that in the office now. Um, somebody else on this, and this is something I brought up to you, uh, Mr. Headphones in the grocery store. Oh. But the pandemic has ruined humanity. No one even looks at each other anymore. Uh, this is somebody who's worked from home for 18 months straight now. Dislike it tremendously. I I do feel like we should be at least in a place where you should be able to make that decision, right? I, I mean, there's so many offices that I've heard. Everyone's got like a different policy, right? You know, there's a hybrid. There's many offices that are still closed, period. Like, don't come in. Right. And that we're supposed to open this month. They've extended yeah, the closure. I. I feel like by now, you know, because you hear it from both sides of things, you should be able to make the decision. If you like going into work, I mean, shouldn't that at least be offered to yeah, be 18 months point. in, post-vaccine, everything we know? I, shouldn't that at least be offered to people who want to go back into the office to say, hey, if you you find you work better here, let's go. You know, right. come on back. Office, we'll yeah. welcome you back with open arms instead There's of new forcing calendars. people to stay home, which is almost as bad as forcing people who say, hey, look, I, I do a great job. I can do it from home. Forcing them to come in the office, you're going to get an unhappy worker. The same goes the exact opposite way around. I don't think that's productive for anybody. Do we have any kind of – I'd love to see research on are people as productive or more productive at home than in the workplace uh, for – a uh, continuous amount of time. I think that would be something good to look at. I think it's 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 got to be like 50-50, right? Yeah. Uh, where I, mean, it, I would not work well from home. A lot I, of people tell people that right now. A lot of people would say they work better from home because they like it better, but uh, really maybe they don't. Right. right. But oh, I'm so much more productive. Maybe you're like equally productive, but you just do it quicker because there's no distractions. <laughs> right. That might be that might be some as well. And, yeah. and I guess that is more productive, but it's not like you're doing anything extra, right? Right. Uh, you're just kind of it's same output, just a different location, which I guess is fine if it makes you happier. I uh, the the big takeaway, right? The big headline of this, the uh, I, I think it's the 91 percent are still carrying a mask everywhere. 78 percent of New Yorkers think about protecting themselves from COVID every day. Uh, you know, the carry a mask. I don't know how many of these respondents are downstate, but if you're riding on the subway all the time where that's required or you're taking a bus all the time, you know, obviously you're going to be carrying a mask. I found myself in a situation, Joe, yesterday. I had to take my son into the doctor's office, one of the places where a mask is required, and I was, I put him in the car seat. I'm about to pull out of the driveway, and I'm thinking like, oh, I don't, I don't have a mask in here. I don't even know where one is. I had to like go inside. I had to grab one. It was like the first time you put one on in forever. I don't even think about that. If I wasn't working here and talking to two doctors every day, <laughs> right? <laughs> because it's it's part of the job and the ongoing situation and keeping everybody in the loop of what's going on. I don't think I'd think about it at all. I, and to me, that's the that's not just um, you know personality or how I live life. I, I think that's the the promise. And generally speaking, for people under forty years old, yep. under fifty years old, that's 
the reality that the post-vaccine world should have been. You get the vaccine, and honestly, right from that moment, I, in my personal world, yes. I didn't think about it at all. I, I mean, I, at all, the only times that it would come up is when, oh, you know, somebody uh, tested positive for COVID or they have COVID, they can't uh, come out today or something like that. I mean, that's really the only times that it would have crossed my mind. And, you know, that rare time where, oh, I'm going to take my son to the doctor, I have to wear a mask. So, but I guess I'm in the minority. But then I, I'm thinking about this a little more. Uh, Joe, and I'm like, all right, why 78%? It seems like such a big number. Where does that come from? And well, it's still the reality for everybody who has a kid. Yeah. Everybody who has a kid, you're not afforded the ability to have that. Now, I'm a little bit different. I, I've got a young son um, who goes into a daycare. He's uh, a little over, a, I mean, he's almost two years old now, but I mean, he doesn't have to deal with any of this stuff. I don't have to deal with any of this stuff uh, for him, really. I mean, there's no. But if you have someone who's in school, you're not getting away from it. It's every day. You have to put a mask on uh, your, your kid for them to go to school. It's every day. Oh, who tested positive? Oh, my goodness. Am I going to have to find somebody to watch? Are you going to be out of school for 10 days now because you might have been near somebody who might have gotten a positive test? For every day, you're living that reality. So, of course, it's going to be top of mind still while right. a lot of people are afforded the ability to go through their days right not thinking about it at all yeah i mean like i said i would not consider myself as part of that 78 percent, but i do consider myself part of that 91 percent. and brian i'll tell you why when i got vaccinated when we had the big uh hey you don't have to wear your mask anymore yeah of course i got rid of all my masks i don't know where they went um but then you know uh, mask mandates started creeping back, including the place we're at right now. Um, you know, a mask mandate was put back into effect. Uh, so I put one in my car. I have a, a mask in my glove box. I have one in my um, my duffel bag because at, uh, in Blacksburg, you have to have a mask on to go to on-campus facilities that aren't the stadium. So it started getting becoming a reality in my life. That if I wanted to go visit this place, if I wanted to get some new Virginia Tech merchandise that you know I don't have enough of, I would have to wear a mask. So I think the realities um, made me go back to having one in my glove box, having one in my duffel bag. I have a box of re uh, of them in the uh, in the control room. Uh, it's it's just how the times change. Again, I don't think being part of that ninety one percent makes me that seventy eight percent. And of course. I'm in a camp with other people, um, but I can see why masks have crept back up because there are more places that are saying, hey, make sure you have a mask with you indoors. You know, I'm uh, I'm just looking at that 78%, and then, you know, it's crystal clear to me. You have a school-aged kid, of course. Uh, you have to think about it. You're forced to think about it, and <laughs> you would think that the light is at the end of the tunnel, right? I mean, going into this school year, the thought was, We'd be back to normal for a lot of parents. I mean, unless you live in the city of Buffalo. They were never talking about that. But for a lot of parents, that was the thought. And now that, you know, that slowly drifted away. It's the masking. It's the quarantine. It's still the distancing. But then yep. you thought, you know, they're going to come out with this. They're going to approve this vaccine for kids age 5 to 11. And regardless of whether I get it or not, you're going to have the opportunity to. And that should kind of mean that everything opens up. And that's not the case of what we heard yesterday. No. During the COVID response team briefing at the White House yesterday, 
Uh, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said even after COVID vaccines are authorized for kids age 5 to 11, masks will still be recommended for schools. Mm. And if the CDC makes the recommendation, you know, at least here in New York State, that's as good as making a law and passing it through all the, uh, you know, uh, houses of the legislature because that's how we've acted over the last year and a half. So there's zero off-ramp offered. And it's going to continue to be at the front of your mind into year number uh, two plus now we're going to be going into. Uh, you can weigh in 803-0930. How does it still impact you? And, I, I mean, maybe your kids. Maybe that's the only way. Maybe that's your direct connection. You can let us know. It's 928 on WB. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back. Beamaz and Beamer on WBEN talking about this new Siena poll and uh says 78% think about protecting themselves from COVID every day here in the great state of New York, and that only 50%, that's half, of the state thinks that the worst of the pandemic is behind us. Uh, that is down from 68% in June. Also, talking about why that number is 78%, and does it have to do with kids uh, every day going to school with masks on and parents having to make sure the kid has their mask and maybe a backup mask. And now this talk of pediatric vaccines, Brian. Um, and, and let me tell you, from what they said yesterday at the White House, um, Rochelle Walensky of the CDC, I, I would think, a, a, and I think this would go across party lines. I think you, you take parties and your biases out of it. I, I think a lot of parents would be opposed to if we start getting five and up vaccinated for this continued masking with, uh, as you said, no exit ramp. I, I do think a lot of parents would be uh, against that if they start you know, vaccinating their children. Well, I use the words of uh, Jennifer Nuzzo, doctor over at Johns Hopkins University, and I mean, sums it up. Masks were meant to be a temporary measure in school. It's good policy and practice to establish off ramps for interventions that aren't meant to be permanent. She said that so many parents I talked to ask, when does it end? And you should be able to answer that. I mean, this goes back to this past spring, right? Uh, when we were asking, when does New York put an end to the uh, pandemic, right? You know, when does uh, New York put an end to a lot of these, uh, the masking, the uh, capacity limits, you know, so on and so forth? Where does that really stop with all of the restrictions that were in place? And for so long, you know, until abruptly we got the answer of like, oh, you know, oh, well, it's going to happen next week. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like all of a sudden, uh, so many other states had, well, it's going to happen with this, 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 and this. And, you know, maybe the goals that they set were uh, unachievable. Maybe they were not what a lot of people would like, but at least they were there. 
at least it gave you like something to I don't want to say strive for because how much can you do? Can you control the infection rate of, you know, one person? No. I mean, you can't control how many people in your entire state are going to test positive for any given virus at any time. But there were at least some indications that this was going to end at some point. And now when it comes to kids in school, there's not that indication that this is ever really going to end. You see, when the CDC director comes out and says, well, masks will still be recommended for schools, I mean, it kind of goes into what somebody wrote about kind of sleepwalking into masks until at least the end of this school year. And and I think that's a good way of putting it, right? That you're kind of sleepwalking into all of this, that we uh, have this big debate and this big fight over should masks be allowed in school? Are they uh, really the best for children? And then it kind of goes away and then it's accepted and then you just kind of, you know, all right, well, this is how it's going to be and it keeps on going and going and going and you forget that it was an e- even an issue to begin with. It's like the power, like, like you said, it's like the those, those in power, they look at, I mean, there are tests, non-biased leaning tests that say, you know, masking students um, really has not contributed to a limited spread of COVID-19. Those tests are out there. They're not, you know, uh, they're not some right-wing conspiracy, but it it seems like you said, we talk about it for a week or two, and then all of a sudden, uh, we're back to, well, masks are the way, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about the end when the end is here. Um, And maybe uh, many people thought the vaccine was the end. Um, But now, even with children, the vaccine We'll get the vaccine in children. They'll still have to wear the mask. I, I, it's and, and for a while, if, if you're saying that because, well, they'll still have to wear a mask, we, we don't know how quickly it will be. I, it doesn't take a, a rocket or a data scientist to kind of predict how this is going right. to happen and how this is going to go. Anyone can kind of tell you, right? People who are very concerned are going to, you know, most kids who will be vaccinated in the near future, if you just use your mind and, you know, see how the world is working, most kids who will be vaccinated in the very near future are going to be vaccinated very quickly, you know, day one, day two. Right. You know, those are the parents who are, you know, very concerned on the Siena poll. Those are the people who are going to rush day one and get that vaccination. And then there's going to be some other people who are, you know, a little bit of wait and see. And maybe it will take another couple of months. And, you know, it's people who aren't against the idea, a little uneasy about it. I want to see this in way more people than just what the FDA looked at the other day before I say, okay, for my child, and then, you know, maybe that will open up. But at the end of the day, we've said, we said this in a couple of shows last week, you're probably talking about in New York State, just kind of looking at the data, around 50% of kids in that age group are going to be vaccinated, just looking at the trends as it goes by age. It gets lower and lower the younger you go. Because the threat is less and less right. the younger you go. It's not like it's just, oh, it's some crazy. Why does why are fewer younger people getting the vaccine? Well, because it doesn't affect them as much. That, that's why. I mean, it's right. very clear to see. So you can assume about 50%. And 
you can do that, you know, 50% by the end of the year, maybe, by the beginning of next year, by the end of winter break, by Martin Luther King Day. I, that's a reasonable expectation that would probably go along with what we've seen throughout every other age group and throughout just kind of what we know about the population. Right. Then what? You know, if we know and can safely assume that that's going to be the case, and we're giving still this vague answer of, well, masks will still be recommended even after the vaccines are authorized. Can't say for how long they'll be recommended. Can't say until how many kids get vaccinated. Right. We, we can't say anything like that. A big question mark. Then that means it's kind of forever. And then you have more and more, as we've looked at over the last week, more and more of this data coming to light through articles in whether it's the New York Times or New Yorker or, you know, you name it, about the big difference of the risks for older people in terms of comparing them to kids. A vaccinated adult is way more at risk than an unvaccinated child of a hospitalization or death from COVID. And we still have this miscalculation of risk and benefit I was reading something that was written by Dr. Vinay Prasad, and he just kind of put out an observation of living in San Francisco. And he said, I see parents ride around the city with a kid on the back of their bicycle, you know, on a busy city street, but not letting them remove their mask when playing outdoors. And he said, go ahead and calculate the absolute risks for each of those activities on a minute-by-minute basis. And we're not doing that at all. And it's only going to lead to, I mean, kind of what everybody fears. And you want to know why 78% of people are responding to this poll of, I still think about it all the time, or at least some of the time, like once a day. These are the reasons why. Right. And I think it has more to do with kids than anything else. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Brian, I would have loved, like you said, I would have loved to seen some follow-up questions um, to maybe better understand those 78%. Definitely a lot of them because they have children, but I, I think a lot of it too, to go back to the first point is, is the amount of news someone watches and who they watch. You know, I mean, we live in a time now where there, there's no such thing as a cable news station that's not slanted one way or the other. And um, I think that also plays into how you would answer these questions. I don't know. It's it's it it's tough to look at and, and kind of listen to all this. And, and now the talk is turning to boosters, and you have booster talk in uh, people as young as twenty five. And I, I don't think I, I still think that people are not putting themselves in the shoes of those who they're trying to reach. Right. I, I mean, any and the closest I think we come. Uh, we spoke with Doctor Russo earlier this morning over at uh, UB's Jacobs School of Medicine. And I thought it was very interesting because up until speaking with him, it seemed like the unequivocal answer was just yes. You know, do I need a booster shot? Yes. Well, I've gotten vaccinated and I've also had COVID in the past. No, yes, you need a booster shot. It just, it, it's like that's the answer, period. And he, you know, swayed from that a little bit. You know, well, if you've been vaccinated and you've had COVID, and especially if you're younger, you know, you... You're okay right now. I mean, you don't need to rush to be the first in line this weekend when whoever says, hey, we have boosters available here or something like that. I, it is refreshing to talk about this because 
what is, you know, people who are making the decision to not get vaccinated or to, you know, not pay attention to any of this booster talk, you know, I think there's this attitude within much of the medical community, certainly within a lot of the media, that, oh, these are just, you know, they're the people, they don't want to listen, they're, you know, they don't know anything, they're only listening to misinformation. And I don't, that's not true. I mean, you can look at the idea of emergency use of a COVID vaccine, of someone who's just, are we now going to take vaccine hesitant and extrapolate that and put that on people who are booster hesitant? Does that right, mean you're exactly. vaccine What's hesitant? What's it going to take to be fully vaccinated? A booster shot now? Are we saying that somebody who had no problem getting the vaccine but now has questions about getting it again? Are they a problem now? Right. I, you know, there's there's only one real way to to look at that. But the whole problem has been generalities, and uh, it was refreshing to hear Dr. Russo say something that Brian we said a few days ago. Everyone that's addressing this should be saying, and Dr. Russo said you should have that conversation with your primary doctor. He said that this morning. I think more people should be saying that instead of speaking in generalities about a vaccine, uh, about other people. You don't know their health. You don't know what their uh, history is. I thought it was very refreshing to hear Dr. Russo say it. And I hope a lot more people um, in the in positions of power start saying, hey, maybe it's it, it, when considering a booster shot, when considering the vaccine, maybe you should talk to your primary care doctor. It, if you're looking at emergency use authorization of a vaccine, and, and I think most people would say, okay, obviously that's necessary. That's what we need right now. And these boosters are being authorized under the same emergency use authorization. And they're being authorized for young people. You know, this is on the honor system uh, somewhat. But if you're a 25-year-old, a 20-year-old, and you work in healthcare, or you work at a grocery store, or you know you work in transportation, or you know one of the tons of uh, a teacher, one of all these different categories that now you can get a booster shot. People are not crazy for stopping and saying, "Well, wait, is this also an emergency? Is it an emergency?" Because that's what we're saying. Is it an emergency that a young vaccinated for COVID person also get a booster shot. Someone who's received two doses of a vaccine that is still highly effective at keeping people out of the hospital. And now we're telling them that it is an emergency that we give you another shot as well. Well, at the same time, we're also saying that just get vaccinated, period, and that's good enough. (laughs) Yeah. I, it, it, it's just more of that mixed messaging that we keep talking about and uh, saying one thing and another. And again, I think it was refreshing also to hear Dr. Russo this morning say that the number one thing is getting people who aren't vaccinated vaccinated. That is more important um, than younger people getting boosters. I don't know. I, I mean, and, you know, what What do you want uh, to have happen? I, like <laughs> a lot of people say and have said for a year, well, just stop talking about it. Right. Just stop talking about it. You know, it doesn't need to be talked about. We're we're moving on. People can, you know, in an ideal world, all the information that people get would come from their primary care doctor. Um, but also we do live in the real world where, you know, what's my conversation like with my primary care doctor? I see it once every two years or something like that, maybe. 
you know, if if he's lucky, <laughs> I'll, I'll see him that often. But but that doesn't really happen that much. But I mean, this just goes to show: seventy-eight percent of people. What's the cause? What's the effect? You know, chicken and egg. Are are we concerned overly because of all the coverage that it's getting, or is all the coverage because there are still so many people with this at the very top of their mind? Uh, and maybe it's because of issues like uh, what we said happens with kids still now, right? Every day. Uh, having to worry about that mask in school. I see him getting off the bus every day. Yeah. My my son loves looking at the school bus when it comes around and dropping, you know. You can't bus. wait to get on the school bus. Can't wait to get on the school bus. Exactly. Yeah, very cool. That's good. He's going to be a smart kid. But you see everyone every day, you know, uh, all masked up, uh, hopping off. And, you know, it's not a fun situation. Ripping the mask off as soon as they're off the bus. Uh, pretty much yeah. is uh, what you see. It, I, and I mean, you know, to kind of further the point that it's not paying attention to reality is I don't know if you've been to any uh, high school sporting events, but I, I've been to a couple, you know, for various reasons. And these are the same kids every day. We are, are telling them you have to, for safety reasons, right, wear that mask in school. The second round is, I mean, you're still on school property. You're outside at a football mask game or whatever. Off. No one's wearing a mask right, in the stands, and they're all together. And it's like, what do you think is happening outside of the building? You know, right, once that bell rings, like kids are just going back into their rooms? No, I mean, kids are being kids. <laughs> yes, of course. You're, you're being a kid. You're hanging out with friends. And when you're hanging out with friends, are you are you masking up? Are you doing this or that? Like, no, no you're, you're not. I mean, you're, you're kind of losing sense. I wasn't of, doing that in the height of the pandemic. Yeah. Masking up when I'm, you know, hanging out with friends. I mean, it's, you know, just some common sense into And then you wonder why people get upset at the uh, uh, rules or recommendations when you say, hey, you know, 90% of the time I'm not doing this. And then you right. tell me that I'm doing it 10% of the time, and that's making 100% of the difference. <laughs> I, it doesn't really add up. No, it doesn't. Um, we'll go to Dave before we uh, go out here. Dave, you're on WBEM. What's going on? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to... Uh, Dave, are you with us? Yeah, yeah he's talking. Can you I hear me? you, Dave. Yeah, I just wanted to reply to something you said earlier about the necessity for booster shots. Um, you know, the science changes all the time. You're, you're making it seem like the government is forcing people to do something they don't want to do. All this is to save lives for you know, and prevent COVID. Um, they found that the um, protection from first and second shot wanes over a certain period of time so then i mean that's the beauty of science everything is questioned and things change so i don't think the government is shifting on their i mean you know the government or scientists are two different things and you're acting like the government is trying to get control over people or something and that's simply not true no what we're saying is i think it, it's understandable why someone in their 20s or 30s who's perfectly healthy that had the initial vaccine that does still protect against hospitalizations and death, um, why they would, you know, not be running to get the booster shot. Well, because it wanes down to 70% and you started at 90. If you get a booster, you go back. Well, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm 25 years old, I don't think getting COVID is, uh, I'm too concerned getting COVID. Well, it's not about you when you're 25. It's about your grandmother, your grandfather. Well, my grandmother and grandfather would get the booster. Yeah, but you could still bring them COVID if you're not properly vaccinated. And and that's going to happen for the next hundred years, Dave. I'm sorry. And I appreciate any concern 
that people still have that are reasonable. Like that's a reasonable concern. Reasonable concern based on what you hear every day. But at the end of the day, if you have an older person and you you get vaccinated and you get the booster that's recommended and in certain age groups recommended for good reason, and if you're in an older age group and you got the Johnson Johnson vaccine recommended for an either even better reason, right? I there is still going to be a risk involved. Uh, Colin Powell, there, there is, you know, a perfect example. There's still always going to be a risk involved. He was 84 years old. He also had some other health issues. And, you know, COVID will get blamed for this. And, you know, you can point the finger at somebody who was around Colin Powell who might have had COVID. You're not going to, once you turn 75, lock yourself in a room. Because that's the only way that you can be 100% certain that you're not going to run into any risk anymore. Right. If you don't want to run into any risk. Exactly. Stay home. Lock yourself at home. There's always going to be that little bit of – that's the part of living with endemic COVID, right? And it goes – this was in the New York Times recently. uh, There was an opinion article written, and I I thought it was interesting. How will blue America live with COVID – and at the end of this article, because it was focusing on the political differences in COVID, and you see right. that from state to state, California, New York, certainly a lot different than Florida and Texas. We've been through this, you know, uh, talking about the comparisons a hundred times. But th- this was posing a question at the end in the New York Times that deep blue America has to decide in a world that's post-pandemic but not post-COVID which is going to be the world, right? It's post-pandemic, but not post-COVID. That's going to be the world for a long, long time. Whether it wants to become the safety-above-all caricature that Deep Red America has made of it, which up until now, I wouldn't say that it's 100% true, you know, right? We're not the safety-above-all caricature. We're letting uh, vaccinated adults who have a greater risk of death from COVID than an unvaccinated kid pack into a stadium without a mask every single week. That's right. So I don't think we're a safety above all right now. But is that what we're going to become as the risks from the virus get lower and we learn more about it and we kind of march into the future while still having, right? Again, we're we're going to be post-pandemic, but we're not going to be post-COVID anytime soon. And what is the example there? If we're still worried, right, it's the TSA argument that was made. If we're still worried about visiting our elderly relatives, neighbors, friends, after they've received vaccines and boosters and everything else, uh, what's the solution? You know, they're they're stuck in a FaceTime room for the rest of their lives. Right, exactly. I don't think that's a way that you can really go living life. Most people want to live life and take the risk. Right. right. Instead of staring at a computer screen the rest of their life. Let's be honest. All right. Coming up tomorrow, is Joe a psychopath? Or is Brian a psychopath? We'll take the quiz. All Listen right. to Beamaz and Beamer on WBEN. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.